What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Creature Feature, the show where we look at the intersection of human and animal behaviors, finding the beasts inside of us and the humanity hidden inside animals. I'm Katie Golden. I studied psychology and evolutionary biology at Harvard, and I pretend to be a bird on Twitter. Today we'll be talking about outlaws, animals and people who have turned to a life of crime. We'll answer questions like, dragons exist in Westeros, but can you also find them in Australia? What fishy business are aquatic con artists up to? And of course, the age-old question, who's your good boy? With me today is Alex Schmidt, comedian and host of the Cracked Podcast. Alex and I are going to look at a couple of the most unlikely pyromaniacs from both the natural and human world. So I live and I grew up in Southern California. Um, where we don't have snow days, we have fire days. And instead of looking outside at this white winter wonderland, you see this orange sun and a red sky and ash raining down. And it was really scary. Uh, And I think it was this idea that you can have this relatively small fire that starts to burn out of control. And no matter how much we try to contain it, it just has this will of its own that that can't really be stopped. And I think the the reason I'm afraid of fire, those same reasons might be why a pyromaniac is actually attracted to it. The idea of this uncontrollable, huge event that just spirals into this massive inferno. So Alex and I are going to look at a couple of the most unlikely pyromaniacs from both the natural and human world. We're going to try to find out what makes them want to watch the world burn. So, Alex, have you have yes. you done crimes? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to the jinx me? HBO's the jinx me right now? I don't think I've ever done any crimes that I can think of. Yeah. 
Like not like not a crime crime for sure. Well, you know, crimes, we feel like crimes is sort of a human only phenomenon. Um, and it's but I don't know. I'm here to challenge that notion that only Oh no. Yeah. Are they catching up to us? They're they're the animals and the uh, probably, you know, bacteria also are catching up <laughs> I, I don't think bacteria is in it. anyways uh they're, they're catching up to us uh, they're competition that's right for sure right they're barging into the organized crime of humans uh <laughs> so i wanted to talk about a few crimes let's get into it i want to start with to me one of the scariest kinds of things which is um pyromania like i've always had an enormous respect for fire <laughs> <laughs> Um, because it's very frightening. <laughs> yeah, like there's a fire and you like tip your cap to it. I'm like, and you're like good day, Mr. Fire. <laughs> Please don't burn me. <laughs> I always call fire by its last name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so pyromania is this fascination with fire. So, you know, most people kind of like you see a campfire and it's like, ooh, neat. But this goes far beyond that. It's uh yeah. It is exciting, even at a really young age. Like, I was part of YMCA Indian Guides as a kid, and so we would go camping and do campouts, and, like, the dads would all be trying to start the fire, but we'd be all like, let me start the fire. I want to be the one, you know? (laughs) And my family didn't do it, but a lot of families I knew would drive. I grew up around Chicago, and they would drive over the border to Indiana just to get fireworks. Oh, wow. Because they didn't sell them in Illinois, so they sold them at exit one of every Indiana highway. <laughs> and you would buy them there and truck them all back and then just like were, light them off in a driveway. Because they were illegal? Yeah, you weren't allowed, yeah. And I've heard there's other states like that. Like I think New Hampshire, it's legal. In Massachusetts, yeah. it isn't. There's a, there's a bunch of like symbiotic relationships where one state sells it to two states. Yeah. You know? yeah. I lived in a very uh, sort of in a tinderbox because I lived in Southern California and San Diego. Ah, yes. Um, so fireworks were super not not cool and also just not really socially accepted because it was just like, don't don't burn us all down, please. Oh, yeah, I'd and imagine. I remember one time my mom got us sparklers, which okay. is not an illegal firework, uh, <laughs> but like I thought it was, and I was like, I was just dizzy with excitement. I was like, we're committing arson crimes <laughs> <laughs> on the 4th of July. We're breaking it, California law. Right, yeah. right. Um, the strongest law. The most exciting moment of my life, and it's all been pretty uh, plateaued from there. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it, it's interesting because pyromania is, it's not like arson where you're setting a fire to clean evidence of your misdeeds. It's like you... The, the feeling of setting that fire and watching the fire, and it's like, it's a thrill. Um, yeah, it, you're like that narration from Fahrenheit 451, yeah. but all the time. Yeah. If the whole book was just look <laughs> at the fire, look at it, burn, like there's no plot or nothing, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, can even be kind of like, it can be a fetish, which is weird to me because it's like, you know, typically it's like, well, you know, it can kill you. To me, it's like having a fetish of like, the ocean and drowning. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wait, wait. So you're kink shaming people who (laughs) drown or burn to death? Uh, Of course not. This is is a death sex positive. This is an extremely uh, (laughs) death sex positive show. (laughs) So this is a crazy story. Um, Great. There were a bunch of arsons in LA and uh, this is in the 
I think in the 80s, uh, and uh, the fire investigators were kind of stumped. And, you know, they were chasing all these leads, not really finding anything. And they had their that old cork board next to my broccoli crimes. <laughs> they were like, we got to get these fire crimes. <laughs> they probably, they should have just let the broccoli crime go. <laughs> and then you, you know, combine the task forces. But is there a connection? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, there there were serious fires. It, about four people died um, mm. because you know that's the arsonist was setting fire to stores, and while people were still inside, so it was, it was very very scary. To stores, wow! Like in, yeah. in Metro LA, like yeah, urban, wow, yeah. Um, and he would like put up like set up incendiary devices, and then like those would like slowly kind of go off, so he could leave and escape, and I guess watch from afar. Um, Man, and. This one investigator was like, this is weird. There's like a string of arsons between the arson investigation conventions, like the, the conventions for fire investigators. Like, there's like... They, ha- they have conventions? Yeah, they do. Oh, man. Which sound really fun. <laughs> it's just a room full of people like carefully watching the room they're in you know someone's what i mean like, like <laughs> someone's like cosplaying as a fire and they're like dude not appropriate <laughs> um yeah and so he's saying like maybe the arsonist is a fire investigator and like nobody believed him but then he was comparing the lists of attendees to the like all the ones like where there were sort of like he could draw a line like here's a oh, a man arson investigator convention and then a line of these arsons and then another one and so he he compared the lists of attendees to the ones that were the sort of the locus points and he found about like i think there were only a handful of people so it made the investigation a lot easier and they finally caught this guy uh john leonard orr who was an arson investigator and he was actually br- briefly being consulted on this very case, like of his o- his own <laughs> arson crimes. <laughs> and uh, it was devastating because everyone was like, well, "We had no idea that." I mean, he seemed like seemed really passionate about stopping fires, not yeah. causing them. Well, he's like Fire Dexter. You know the TV yeah. show Dexter, yeah, like, where he's uh, like solving fire serial Dexter. killer yeah. murders. He's yeah. Fire Dexter. Yeah, exactly. They should call it Fire Dexter and make right. a show. Right. Wow. Copyrighted here. We get to make it. DM us. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We need fire Michael C. Hall. We need fire whoever (laughs) wrote the show. I know so little about this that I cannot contribute to this Uh, bit. (laughs) Alex, you're going to have to carry the bit. As you can tell, I do one actor's (laughs) name. So pretty good. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Okay, here's the best part. I mean, none of this is good. Disclaimer. Fire arson is bad. Pyromania doing it and destroying property and endangering oh, people. It's so bad. much shaming on this show. I know, but man, oh man. You know, it's just a little shaming. I just want to commit a crime and die of it. <laughs> um <laughs> But okay, he was also a novelist, an amateur novelist. Oh perfect. And so he, he could write Fire Dexter. He he wrote Fire Dexter. <laughs> no, he did. Alex, you were joking, but he did. No, he he what? wrote Fire Dexter. He wrote about an arsonist called Aaron Styles and uh and it was like he described all of his motivations and how he got like how he like got a boner from starting fires and like and just all this insight into this character psychology which you know 
upon reviewing, you're like, maybe that's him. And then investigators uh, worked out that Aaron Stiles, the name of the book's protagonist, is an anagram for I set L.A. Arson. What? <laughs> this is like, it's a book where when you would get to that point, you'd be like, come on, crime writer. What's a crime writer? Who does crime writings? Oh, uh, I don't know, Patricia Cornwell? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, come on, like, two on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's crazy. It's like, get these guys on the Zodiac Killer. Why, why aren't they on the Zodiac? Right. They worked out this, like, right. intensely constructed puzzle right. from where the call's coming from inside the police station or firehouse right. or like, whatever. Like, okay, here, like, between the fire conventions, it's like a movie. And I am shocked and appalled that this movie has not been made. Yeah. Movie execs DM us. <laughs> <laughs> well, even not to not to celebrate this insane person, but like setting fires in stores, is he doing that because because four people died? I assume he set way more fires than that. Like, is he burning stores because he thinks no one will be in there at night or something, and so he can like mm, get his fire without a death or something? No, I think it was. Um, he's probably just a maniac. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think he's he he set the fires like while people were still in it. I. It okay. doesn't yeah, seem like it doesn't seem like he necessarily had the motive of killing people, but I think he just you know he was like a psychopath and he didn't care whether you know he he killed people, right? Um, and he just and maybe he did it during the day because it was more exciting. Like the idea of getting caught and doing it in public was more. Exciting. Oh, these were daytime fires. Yeah, oh, boy. Some, yeah, it could be like uh, it was just like people were around. He was just like you know witness my. Terrible fires. <laughs> oh, man. It's always confused. Like, they talk about it being really powerful, and it's like, it's always kind of confused me because it's like, it's really easy to start a fire, even when you don't want to, like. Yeah. It, well, like, all these all these people with these compulsions, like, it makes me glad I don't like anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's stuff that's cool, but I'm not, like, that into anything. Yeah. And it is probably really good for my life that I'm not. Yeah. Because, like, if you're that into anything at all, you become an Aaron Styles or something, <laughs> you know? Jeez. I'm actually kind of surprised we haven't had, like, a Pyromania horror movie. You know, have we? Like, I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not a horror expert, so I, I wouldn't know for sure. I mean, there might be one, but I, I can't think of one that's really, like, mainstream where the it, kind of Texas Chainsaw Massacre style, but he has, like, a flamethrower. Oh, that would be awesome, actually. It's, like, it's a lot scarier to me because it's, like, it's not just him, like, being there. Like, he's actively modifying the environment to be hostile to you. Yeah, I'm assuming it's a he, but that's that's sexist. He or she, the uh, or or anyone, this uh, fire fire uh, uh, fire villain. <laughs> yeah, a fire person's yeah. person. Yeah, I mean they like I guess in Avatar: The Last Airbender they somewhat did that, but that wasn't really a horror. It was sort of. Oh yeah, yeah. There's that like fantasy realm trope of like the classical four elements and fire right. as a kind of magic kind of thing. Right, but that's yeah. that's not really the same thing because it's sort of it, you don't get a sense of foreboding. It's just like action. Like I think that I'm curious why we haven't why we I don't I don't know why I'm saying we I've never directed because a I'm movie. lazy, Kate. <laughs> I haven't gotten around to it. Um, <laughs> Alex's horror movie, like, Sno when Snoopy comes by. <laughs> um, There's my rust bud. We're doing it. Yeah, you should follow Alex's Twitter at uh, Alex 
Schmitty? At Alex Schmitty, yeah. 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 Where he posts Snoopy's sometimes. Yeah, I, I don't draw him, but I, I feel like a picture of Snoopy playing the saxophone is just generally more exciting than most of the tweets I see. <laughs> and I encourage people to just start posting that instead I, of tweeting. Yeah. I won't, I, you won't find an argument here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm just like, I don't know, just imagine being sort of like being chased down a dark hallway and then you run to the other end of the hallway, but then that's on fire. So you have to go back and then the killer is there it's like it's such a scary yeah because it's like it's they're controlling everything around you and you're just sort of haplessly trying to escape <laughs> yeah it, al- it almost feels like it'd be a batman villain or something yeah like, yeah because they they have that for everything else like there's a guy well, obsessed the with the calendar guy. and everything you know they have the ice guy which is much less scary than fire like who's afraid of ice yeah yeah they basically need a fire version of mr freeze that right. would be uh, great fire to meet you (laughs) (laughs) just the exact same pun structure but you put in the word fire (laughs) comedy genius you all need to fire out (laughs) doesn't make sense i'm going to flame away (laughs) i don't i don't even think that was a joke by the freeze guy Ah, schwarzenegger could sell it right right yeah Well, I've got I've got bad news for small animals in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> That's a platypus just dropped its iPhone. <laughs> what? It's like one of those news stingers, like bad news for animals in Australia, and they're like, oh crap! But after the commercials, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> um, so there are these birds of prey that are not just satisfied with screaming fiery anger down at the little animals they're also like no we'll set actual fires and flush the little mammals out and then eat them oh man yeah it's this it's a new definitely a new discovery so there's not been anything that like there's not like solid research behind it but they're basing it on uh, anecdotal evidence of researchers and also um the uh, uh indigenous uh, population has long known about this or long documented uh, and they call them firehawks and they have this really cool uh, they have this cool ceremony where people will act out as birds carrying smoldering branches and you know they I, I think it's that's really convincing that this has uh, definitely been happening for a long time and so like the the birds will it's not that they start a fire from nothing. There's like a fire that exists because they're not. Okay. Yeah. They're not agile enough to like take a flint. And <laughs> <laughs> just like they've got like, like they're trying to do the thing where they get the stick and the thing and the, you're rubbing the stick really fast. So it, the right. friction causes the fire like with their little wings. like. <laughs> <laughs> but they pick up like a smoldering stick from the existing fire okay. and then carry it over to a prey dense area where they where the hunting is good and then like set a fire <laughs> and then like them and all their buddies just kind of like as as like the little little lizards and little rodents like they get out of the fire and like phew at least that's over oh no <laughs> <laughs> what's really crazy is like these birds these like pyromaniac birds that are extremely scary for the little <laughs> rodents like yep. but they may have actually helped uh shape the savanna oh. because if they're if they're spreading fire they're they're changing the environment of of the savanna they're like 
I'm not I'm not a fire expert, but I would assume it, it has a lot to do with you know you're kind of creating new growth and getting rid of old growth and. Yeah, that's a that's a thing in some ecosystems. I think like I, like growing up in Illinois, we had uh, the f- mostly former prairie. You know, it used yeah. to be the entire Midwest. <laughs> now it's just very specific spots. But uh, something that we were taught frequently, especially because sometimes we'd see like uh, I live near one, and there'd be a column of smoke coming up from it, <laughs> and I'd be like, hmm, that seems wrong. Yeah. But we would be told frequently like prairies need to burn with some regularity. They must burn yeah. <laughs> to please the prairie gods, which yeah. is a prairie dog spelled backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for celebrating my faith. Uh, <laughs> no, and, and like, uh, so a guy with the name that's an anagram for I Love Burning Prairies would tell us that uh, <laughs> you need to burn the prairie because like the plant, there will be too many old dead plants in yeah. it and they just need to be cleared out. Yeah. And then as soon as it burns, like that charred stuff becomes very good fertilizer and there's yeah. like, a lot of benefits to uh, just consistently burning down some yeah. prairie. And so they would do that. And, and maybe the Australian uh, environment is kind of like that. I guess they have a few kinds of environment. Yeah, I'm sure, but, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it, it, you know, fire has definitely has an impact on the... Yeah, in the um, at-back or whatever. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, but it's really, I mean, like, definitely keep your eyes open, everybody, for research about, about these birds. Because, like, you know, not it's it's all on right on the cusp of, like, finding out what's going on and it's really exciting yeah. uh because i think that'd be crazy if like birds setting fires to terrorize rodents like shaped the australian outback <laughs> just like it's it's like you know we think of big environmental changes being something like big like a glacier not like this like little falcon with like fire <laughs> Right, like a very slow period of time, right. not like right. just a jerk bird. It's like, yeah. burn it! <laughs> <laughs> well, it's amazing, too, that you said that science is just starting to maybe prove this, and there's a local tradition where people reenact it. Yeah. Like, they're fully like, we all know this is happening, right. and we do a thing. Right, I mean, yeah. I, I, I would bet that there's, it's probably a new, sadly, a new trend for uh, researchers to actually pay attention to non-Western cultures. Oh, these are, sorry, these are like Aboriginal peoples. Yes, uh, yes. Indigenous uh, peoples. Yeah. I don't know what I should call it. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure that's that's okay. But like, yeah, uh, yeah so they, they've had this uh, long documented. Um, so it's like, you know, it's kind of interesting. We sometimes, you know, don't pay as much attention to uh, non-Western histories. But I think it's really great that the researchers are working with like, you know, the, the Native culture and that's yeah. really cool. And against the birds. <laughs> Take that, birds. We must unite to defeat the birds. <laughs> it's like how we end all hate is just fighting birds. <laughs> <laughs> Though pyromania in today's society is destructive behavior, at some point early humans had to have an arsonist streak to be able to learn to utilize fire. How did we go from being fearful of flame to actively trying to tame it? One clue may be in the behavior of chimpanzees. Primatologist Jill Peretz witnessed the strangely calm demeanor of chimps in the midst of a wildfire. People in the region do controlled burns to clear the land and aid in hunting. Though most of the animals flee in terror, the chimps seemed relatively unflappable. Peretz observed that, quote, They were so calm about it, they were a lot better than I was, that's for sure. I was surprised at how expert they were at handling the fire. 
She also saw male chimps doing a, quote, fire dance. It's a dominance display that was modified to be slower and directed towards the fire. This may be an indication of how human ancestors began to master their fear of fire and a foreshadowing of Burning Man. Let's take a moment to cool off with a few messages. Back soon with more law-break environments. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot so cheaters represent a huge conundrum in evolutionary biology and also in human philosophy. Adam Smith, the invisible hand dude, is a famous economist and author of The Wealth of Nations. He's often credited as the first proponent of the idea of the free market, the unrestrained ability to compete. So here's the problem. If nature or human society operates in a free market, wouldn't it become inundated with scammers and con artists? How can a group of social animals remain stable when the rewards of cheating are so damn good? Any cooperative society should, in theory, crumble because natural selection will always reward swindlers. Steve Frank is a professor of evolutionary biology at the University of California at Irvine. He studies the problem of cheaters in evolutionary genetics, and one of his talks took an unexpected turn towards moral philosophy. He pointed out that there's a lesser-known second part to Adam Smith's work, a book called Moral Sentiments. In this work, Smith re-examines the idea of the free market, pointing out that if it's in a collective's interest, they will work together to suppress the activity of those taking advantage of the group. So, are free markets never truly free? Alex Schmidt and I will discuss whether fish might have the answer. Later, we'll find out what your genome has to do with moral philosophy. Alex? Yeah? Are you ever gullible for things? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Just generally. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't have something like jumping to mind immediately for it, but I feel like I spend a a solid chunk of many days or weeks just being like 
do you mean that for real? Because right, I'm, right. I'm like earnestly interested yeah. that people will joke about like, yeah, I guess I'd like go to the moon or something. And I'm like, <laughs> so you're interested in being an astronaut? For real? Like, that'll uh, pretty frequently happen for me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot because I'm, I'm very gullible too. Like I, um, sometimes I don't pick up on sarcasm or like someone will say something incredible. I'm like, oh, oh really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, I, I like to think of it as just being very open-minded. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I like. I would be very excited to be surprised by life yeah. just all of the time. And so a lot of times people will think they've nailed being completely over the top with something yeah. crazy. And then, no, they haven't. I want to find out if that's true. Yeah. Let's do it. I, I've always, like, whenever people say... I have a bridge to sell you, you know, like you fall for you fall for <laughs> someone's someone's prank and they're like, oh, I have a bridge to sell you. And I don't get it because it's like, OK, I, I don't. Why would I want a bridge? <laughs> why would you be selling me a bridge? Um, but I just found out that. Well, first of all, I found out what it means, which is that, you know, the idea that you would trick someone into thinking that person would own the bridge and then would oh, sell yeah. it to you. Um, but it was it was based on an actual uh, con artist. Uh, his name was George Parker. Uh, he was criminally active around the turn of the century, and he would he would literally sell people the Brooklyn Bridge. And oh wow! Uh, I mean, this is a new fact to me. I, I apologize if like everybody knows this, but me, I'm just like, do you guys know this? <laughs> Because I, I think I know a bridge sale story, but I don't know if it's right. the same thing where, like, somebody sold the London Bridge to some town in the U.S., something like that. Oh, I don't know that one. But they also thought they were buying what's actually called Tower Bridge in London. Mm. It's the famous one uh, that has very tall towers on it. And then every other bridge across the Thames is, like, just kind of a regular bridge. And so they moved this enormous regular yeah. bridge to this town. Yeah, I, I'm... That's crazy that there's like more than one bridge scams. Like, yeah, I don't know who's buying them. No, like, and I don't know. Like, like when you're trying to be a con artist, you're like, well, what, what, what would be a good con to pull? A bridge. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the the classic maneuver of selling infrastructure. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Sexy infrastructure. Infrastructure yeah. is hot right now. Um, that is a con, and different from just getting a job. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, um so george parker he would also sell things like the statue of liberty um just landmarks and pieces of property he definitely did not own but he had like he forged documents and so it was like it's like see here on this paper it says i own the bridge i will sell it to you <laughs> and like and some people would like actually go up and set up tolls on the bridge thinking they were now the owners and police would be like oh buddy no or what, right. like, I guess it was the turn of the century. It was like, listen, guy. <laughs> <laughs> you got squeezed. See? They just kick him out. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I have, I want you to go on an imagination journey with me, Alex. Oh, shoot. About a, I'm ready. About a, a very strange scam. <laughs> uh, so imagine you're going in. Well, first of all, you got to imagine you have really long hair. Uh, okay like like jesus levels of 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 great hair great i'm there yeah okay you're there good um and you just kind of want a general trim you maybe want some layering and styling a la jesus right um and you know you're just kind of relaxing and then you turn around and you notice like all your hair is on the floor in big piles you're like 
what the heck did you just do? I don't look like Jesus anymore. I look like, you know, John Stossel. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. So they gave me an incredible mustache in the process of it? Maybe I'm on board. So Maybe the hair has fallen onto your upper lip. Um, and the, the hairstylist apologizes, saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I misunderstood. I thought you wanted a big... And you're you're just you're fuming because you know you had been oiling and conditioning this hair for months and it was great and right and you you leave in a huff and then <laughs> you <laughs> you return um, and you look in the window and there's a wig that looks suspiciously similar to your hair your wonderful Christ-like locks yeah and then I go on TV and stossel them out of business. You stossel them. I do an amazing them. report you, you about go it. Go on Yelp and go like this. John Stossel is, is <laughs> unhappy. Yeah. Um. There is. This is an actual thing, but in Fishland. <laughs> so Fishland does not clarify to me. All right. <laughs> where we are. Society. <laughs> Um, oh, swim town. Oh, yeah, yeah. Swim town. Swim town. Great. Swim town. Ocean. <laughs> Oceansburg. Um, so I'm. I'm sure you're saying like, well, fish don't have hair, Katie. You're dumb. Good point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean. Man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Calm the heck down, Alex. God. Um, so uh, there are little these really pretty little fish called cleaner wrasse. And uh, they do this incredibly por- important function for coral reef communities because they're like the the coral reefs, which are all dying, um, have yeah. are, are so cared about not just because they're pretty, but because they are the homes of a huge variety of fish, and they all kind of congregate there like a little, just like in Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo is like yeah, basically a documentary. They're the big cities of Swimtown. Right. Right. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> It's the it's the fish Chicago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I mean that wasn't the best oh, best wordplay no. I could have done, but Alex is from Chicago. Yeah, that was the one closest to my heart. I really appreciate it. Yeah, I should have said ship Chicago, but also fish don't do ships. They don't need them. Yeah, no ships are like no. intruders. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So never mind. That was fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so fish have this um, mucous membrane covering them, and it protects them. It's it's like if you've ever had a fish tank, sometimes you put in stuff like stress coat. And that's that's sort of like it's to keep this membrane healthy and it cool. uh, protects their skin. But they also get little parasites, which are really bothersome for fish because they can't scratch. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, so the little cleaner ass go up to the fish and he's like, hey, buddy, you want your body detailed? <laughs> and uh, they will... Um, go all over the fish and pick off these little parasites and fish will line up for this like they're at a little car wash (laughs) (laughs) and just be like just patiently waiting like oh boy it's my turn next (laughs) (laughs) right like a like an enormous barbershop situation right 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 but there's only one barber (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah it's it and you'd think, like, that's perfect. Fish are wonderful. We could learn a lot from fish. We could. But here's the here's the problem. Oh, no. Is that slimy, mucusy stress coat that I was talking about, it's apparently real good. It's real good tasting. Uh, it's super mm. delicious. Uh, I'm going to need a second opinion on that. <laughs> um, well, in, in uh, 
in Fishland, it is like yeah. it is the prime for a little cleaner house. It is like their crack. So <laughs> they really want to nibble on this this sweet sweet snot coat, and uh, <laughs> they. Uh, but the fish don't want that because it's like my slime. Give me back right. my slime. It's it's bad for them to get their slime chewed off. Yeah, um, there's their key, their protective bugs. <laughs> Gotta have it. And so this is where it gets like really interesting because this is like economics in fish. Okay, I'm gonna make economics sound really fun because it's fish. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> so boring. So. The cleaner wrasse, which are the little little conmen, sometimes are, you know, they want to get at that mucus, but they will, um, they'll try a little nibble every once in a while, and the fish are like, hey, don't do it. And then the fish, if they're noticing that the cleaner wrasse is nibbling too much on their, their cool slime, mm-hmm. like, they boycott them. They stop going to their business. <laughs> And and it's it's like they get on fish yelp and they're like, Don't go here, he'll eat your slime. I didn't come <laughs> in to get my slime eaten, just just the bugs on my skin. <laughs> um and uh and they'll actually the cleaner asks if like the fish shows anger, which I'm not I guess fish show anger by kind of chasing them around and like making a real like, oh you face. <laughs> <laughs> They, uh, they don't yell like Albert yeah. Brooks. They, yeah. <laughs> uh, why I oughta. <laughs> um, but but then they'll kind of like they'll try to placate the the um, the angry customer by kind of like giving him a little massage. Like a, I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> a massage? Yeah. Yeah. This is like I am so glad we are a species that can like deal with our own self cleaning and like has hands and arms and stuff. Like so much of the animal kingdom just goes around waiting for another animal to clean it up. Like yeah. those rhinos with little birds on them. Right. Just like oh, somebody <laughs> help. Like what a what a nightmare. Yeah. We're the best. Really great. <laughs> but there is that like the blind the blind zone like right sort of like that one spot on your back that's a right. blind zone. But then we can also we're like we can you can do the bear thing where you like, you know, get like a, a nice jagged wall and get that blind spot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We're the best. We're so all we're set. the perfect animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I also I didn't know a fish could give the equivalent of a massage because they're handless and they're freaky and I don't know how to do it. <laughs> well, I, 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 it's kind of like um, they sort of like go up to them and kind of rub their rub their like dorsal fins against them or something it's kind of it's sort of weird oh it's like the back scratch with the wall yeah yeah a little bit like like it's not they're not quite like getting in there and like you know actually sort of like doing the doing the whole like like doing the little chopping motions on the back (laughs) (laughs) um but uh and then here and then like there are like market forces so when there are plenty of clients um, the the cleaner rats will take more chances and do more do more crimes, which you know is kind of like similar. Like when there are companies that have no competition and lots of customers, they'll try to get away with stuff like offshore bank accounts or like you know eating <laughs> or... people's mucus. <laughs> <laughs> now I have a new thing to compare the cable company to. Perfect. <laughs> Time Warner always eating my slime. <laughs> they. Also, cheat less when they notice that they're being watched by potential future clients. So they they're like 
they're like, oh no, I'm, I'm, I might get yelped. <laughs> uh, yeah. What do we, we need, can we call it kelp yelp? Kelp, that? oh my God, I could have just said kelped. Kelped, Oh, yeah. damn it. But that's great, yes. Thank you. <laughs> that's excellent. Yeah. Um, I'm just a, kind of a pillar of Swimtown <laughs> community, you know? <laughs> Keep it going. Um, the So uh, they also, this is like, it gets really sophisticated. So the cleaners will perform extra services for big fish that are, Sort of from outside the reef. Literal big fish, right? Yeah, sure. So like, it's sort of like if you've ever, I don't know, people who've ever had office jobs or something where you have like, um, you have like people flown in, important people kind of coming from like corporate, and then like they get to cut in front of the gosh darn lunch line because they've been flown in and they're important, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so they'll they're trying to reward these fish for choosing their particular reef. And they're like, Man. hey, come on back to Joe's Reef because we give you dorsal fin massages. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a – I'm just realizing that as humans we have so many idioms for, like, somebody being a big fish or even, like, a whale, you know, yeah. like they're a very important or client. Shark, or shark tank. Yeah, shark tank, yeah. <laughs> like, we use the ocean to describe most business, and the ocean has business going yeah, on, too. Yeah, it's Great. like, it's it's sea capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> Let's revisit Steve Frank, the evolutionary biologist with a fondness for moral philosophy. Frank has an interesting idea on Rawlsian ethics explaining the human genome. John Rawls was a 20th century moral philosopher who spent a lot of time thinking about fairness. One of his theories was the veil of ignorance. It's the idea that in order to create a truly just and fair society, you should make the rules while still naive about your place in that society. So you don't know if you're rich or poor, man or woman. So when you craft the laws, you want them to be equitable and fair to as many people as possible since you don't know which one of those people you're going to be. It's like if you have a pizza and you're tasked with slicing it, but you don't know which slice you'll be given. You'll try to make the slices as even as possible so you'll be given a fair portion no matter which random piece you'll get. On the genetic level, you're doing this all the time when you're creating sperm or egg cells because you have paternal and maternal genes that they both want to get in that sperm or that egg. And in order to do that without competing with each other, there's a randomized process called fair meiosis where essentially you're slicing up that pizza at random and the maternal and paternal genes have an equal chance of getting into one of those baby slices which means that as long as they're working together to make you really fit and make your egg and sperm really fit and thus your offspring really healthy, then they have a good chance at winning that lottery and getting passed down. With that, uh, we will be right back. We're going to hear a message from some of our awesome, awesome sponsors. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot one of the earliest lessons we learn as children other than don't touch fire don't hit your sister and don't feed forks to mr toaster is that stealing is wrong stealing so undermines a society of rules and laws historically there have been some pretty gruesome penalties for theft cutting off ears hands and noses were common in ancient egypt and medieval europe In England, during the 1700s, pirates were killed and their bodies were hung up on gibbets, which are tall wooden beams that held cages, which were used to display the decaying corpses of criminals. Even worse, sometimes live pirates would be displayed in the cages, left to die of exposure or thirst. In 1723, there was the simultaneous hangings of 26 young pirates whose bodies were buried between the high and low tidal watermarks, which was thought to ensure their souls would never be at rest. So, what is it in the life of a vagabond that's so appealing? A longitudinal study found that 16% of people polled reported having stolen something worth more than $50 in the last year. Most thieves aren't career criminals. Their flirtation with the pirate's life typically only lasts for about a year. Alex and I will discuss the motives behind human kleptomaniacs and why the life of a pirate calls to seabirds and landbirds alike. Uh, so there is an English comedian uh, who, sadly, he just passed away. Um, his name was Ken Dodd, and okay. uh, he... Uh, I don't know his stuff, but great. No, but yeah, yeah I mean, I didn't, I actually didn't hear about him until I was doing research for this. And he has this excellent quote. Uh, he says, um, I have kleptomania, but when it gets bad, I take something for it. Yeah. Got him. Good one, Ken. <laughs> um, <laughs> so cla- Man, such a classic joke. I know, it's, it's like- great. It's like a million dads all cried out at once. (laughs) 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 Um, So kleptomania, uh, as you may know, it's an uh, impulse control disorder, and it's different from stealing because they're not actually taking things they want. They're just like stealing things almost for the thrill of stealing it. And um, it's 
Not- right, like the broccoli was there. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I don't want broccoli. I just want to do broccoli crime. <laughs> so it's something where it's, I feel a lot of sympathy with people who have kleptomania because it's, it's kind of more of a control thing. Like, like maybe they feel like something has happened in their life where they've lost control, like a family member dies, and like that can be a trigger oh. for kleptomania because they're. It's actually. It's kind of like, it's like get, having control over a certain thing. Like I can take that item. Like I can be sort of completely autonomous and wow. get that thing. I never would have thought of that. That's cool. Yeah, and it, it's also like the thrill of it, and it's completely. Uh, irrespective of class, economic class. It's like rich people will be, you know, the most famous of which uh, Winona Ryder um, Mm. back in Beetlejuice times or a little after Beetlejuice times. Yeah, there was a whole, I had forgotten about that. There was a whole in-between where she was mostly being joked about on late night TV for shoplifting. Which, you know, when I, when you think about it in retrospect, it's kind of a little crummy. (laughs) Like, (laughs) um, you know. Yeah. uh, well, yeah, because in particular, it's if it's being done by people who have plenty of money, or at least have earned money at some point. Right. Like, yeah, it must be some kind of compulsion. And again, like I said, I don't like anything very much. And it has served <laughs> me well. I'm very lucky. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is, so like, there's, in uh, evolutionary biology, we don't call it kleptomania. We call it a, or I say we as if I am, I am evolutionary biology and i direct horror movies <laughs> but they call it um kleptom uh kleptoparasites uh which sounds a lot grosser yeah that's terrifying yeah um, <laughs> it sounds like an like an alien parasite that like goes right in your eyeball or something yeah I'm, well i'm imagining like a shark with a remora on it and the remora has like a bunch of bags of loot and stuff, <laughs> you know like <laughs> I stole your 401k plan. <laughs> it's capital C. C capitalism. C yeah. capitalism. <laughs> um, Corporate raider, pirate capitalism. <laughs> um, so it's it's parasitic behavior where one one party is benefiting at the expense of another party, and uh, and it's so cute. It's the cutest parasite in the animal world. Uh, yeah, so especially when it's done by birds. So <laughs> <laughs> another bird crime. Th- Here this, we go. There's, this is this oh, is a man. bird crime heavy episode because there are so many bird crimes. Yeah, they're just uh, well, you keep hearing about like, oh, crows. It turns out are brilliant. Like right. they should be writing books or something because <laughs> they have such brilliant brains. And it's like, yeah, they're using it for evil though. You can't trust them. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Anyway, go on with these birds that you should keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah, well, well, there's uh, uh, bowerbirds, which uh, they're really pretty birds that uh, develop these um, elaborate bowers, like kind of a grassy area that they've constructed, and then they put little decorations in it, like here's some blue flowers and here's some colorful rocks, and, and they... They're like very, they're very particular. They they pick out certain colors and really bright colors like reds and blues and violets and like uh, put big chunks of colors in. Huh. And the the hope is that that will attract a female to come to their little little uh, grass grass cave that they made on the ground because they put a bunch of pretty flowers. <laughs> and it's kind of great because when they live near a civilization, they um 
we'll steal things like bottle caps and little little pieces of like colored glass and uh, so, wow. so they just like have this little junk heap, but it's all color coordinated, so it's really cool looking. Oh yeah, I would. I think I would come across it and imagine it was like a weird kid did it. Right, right, right. You know, that's amazing that a bird can do that. <laughs> um, but then they also they also do thief crimes because they're like, you know, instead of just finding their own bottle caps and colored piece of dirt, like they got to take someone else's. <laughs> <laughs> There's this great uh, segment of, I think it's it's either Life or Planet Earth where David Attenborough is narrating and this, uh, this uh, little bowerbird is like trying to present these colorful objects to this other bird that he thinks is a female bird. And he's like, would you like this? What about this toy heart? What about <laughs> this? And like the bird is like, yeah, it's pretty good. And he like just takes it and it's a juvenile male, not a female. Oh. Because the juveniles have coloration similar to females. They haven't mm. developed their, their pretty little crests yet. So, like, the bird was, like, trying to, it was just, like, some teenager, like, going, yeah, sure, bro. And he, like, just <laughs> steals it from them. Even the teen birds are untrustworthy. <laughs> no teens. <laughs> and then um, chinstrap penguins, which their names are already great because it makes me think they're wearing little hats with little chin straps right on. <laughs> keep them on because, like. Their heads are small, and it's hard for the hats to stay on, so they gotta right. gotta secure it down. Are you thinking of Pittsburgh Penguins, the <laughs> hockey players? That's yeah. They do something very similar, where, where they will uh, steal rocks from uh, <laughs> each other, um, and it's really sad because one penguin will be like being honest. So so they they build these big uh, rock nests to, and then the females are like, "Hey, is your." rock nest the best one if so i will mate with you uh for more information see the documentary um the pebble and the Peg- penguin uh the pebble and the penguin right wow. directed by donald bluth i believe it, it's a it's a cartoon it's a cartoon movie <laughs> remember what you asked if i was gullible before uh, <laughs> I, watched, yes. I watched a lot of uh non-disney uh m- movies like uh troll in central park and the pebble and the penguin and Oh, I don't know any of the, I think yeah. I saw like no Don Bluth yeah. as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's a it's a movie of, it slightly misunderstands the um real penguin uh behavior. The rock economy. Right. Yeah. Because they have um they're like finding pretty rocks or nice stones for the females, like just one of them. Which is like I guess, you know, how much of the animal kingdom do you think has some kind of capitalism? Because apparently the sea does, and penguins do, and these weird bower birds do, and like I don't know, maybe capitalism is like throughout animal species, and we just think we're the only ones. I think that there's a strong possibility, except for like you have bees, which are which are communist. Oh yeah, damn commie bees. Yeah. <laughs> they should go extinct. Wait, don't. No, no. I take it back. There's no more Earth. <laughs> um, so, so the while the kind of hardworking penguins are going, like I'm going out to collect my rocks, like the the evil right. penguins going, just like, putting in a solid day in the rock mines. Yeah, you know? I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal your up, rock, <laughs> like the Seven Dwarves in Disney. You know, just you mine it, you yeah. bring it back. Yeah, there's a lot of really interesting uh, science about like, well, how how can you have like a cheater and not have society collapse? <laughs> <laughs> Um, because you would think like 
like as soon as the penguins would catch on like oh there's someone stealing then they would just be like well i'm gonna steal too um right but there there are certain forces that seem to like you know you there's definitely like with the cleaner rats it's really interesting because in that case you have direct punishment for stealing and certainly when penguins catch another penguin stealing they like honk at him and go like, hey, you wise guy. <laughs> That's penguin kelp yelp is just honking. <laughs> it's, like... <laughs> uh, it's just making noises like ba- the Batman villain, the penguin. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like one went out of five went. <laughs> um, so, and then another bird crime, just a real brief one. Quick, oh, quick bird crime. Almost too many to count. Don't trust birds. <laughs> Seagulls will steal fish right out of pelicans' beaks in broad daylight. Oh, man. For real? Well, are you really surprised? Like, how, do you have... They, like, pry it open? Well, I mean... Oh, man. I don't think they can do much prying, but, like, I think they just slip oh. in there while the, the door's ajar. That is true. It looks like a loose setup, right, that pelican right. beak, yeah. Right, right. He's kind of, like, they just, like, get right in there. Well, did you did you see this story, like, just hit... Facebook and then the wider media, this Canadian guy who he stayed at a hotel in like uh, British Columbia about 20 years ago. And it's basically this crazy, insane, elaborate story of him trying to bring pounds and pounds of pepperoni to his Navy friends. Already nuts. And then he was in a hotel room where like there wasn't a place to keep it cool. And so he left it in an open window and basically he came back to his room and it was a sea of seagulls. eating the pepperoni and, like, violently pooping the pepperoni everywhere, too. And then he got a lifetime ban from the hotel. Oh, shouldn't... But then appealed it recently, and they were like, this is such a funny story, you can come back. Right, shouldn't the seagulls have gotten the ban? You know, you would think, yeah. (laughs) But he... It was, like, such a fracas. uh, The room was demolished. (laughs) Like, there was no... It was just covered in... Because also, oh, apparently, no. it was like a spicy pepperoni that seagulls oh. can't uh, digest very oh, well. No. So they weren't harmed, but they were just like really they pooing were like it. They were like pooping know? caustic poops. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And then he like tried to throw a shoe at one, and both the shoe and gull went out of the window down into a crowd that was meeting for like high tea or something oh. and like hit them. And then, yeah, it was just like. Dignitaries from several countries yeah. where we have tenuous uh, diplomatic relations with. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. And like, that's how a war happened. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like, like seagulls apparently just go for it. Yeah. Like shoot or shoot, you know, yeah. like they just, they want it. Yeah. Yeah. They, they will like grab the food out of your hands if they think they can get away with it. Yeah. Which is not really, that's not usually the style. Of, like, like usually animals are, and people are a little more like subtle about it. Like you kind of, <laughs> yeah. you're like, I realize you can't see me so i'm gonna sneakily take your pizza not just like we're coming in we're gonna eat this pizza poop all the floor and charge you like seven hundred dollars worth movies <laughs> right. eat everything in the mini fridge and those little little bottles of water are like twenty dollars each <laughs> but like do you remember like I don't know. Actually, I wonder if like you were the perfect child, but like when you were a kid, did you ever try to get away with stuff? And like, do you remember that realization where it's like, if I'm not being watched, I can do a thing. I can do bad things and not get in trouble. I yeah, I don't remember like a mental transition, but 
that certainly becomes a thing yeah. pretty pretty early on, <laughs> yeah, of like, uh, there are times when I'm being watched, there's times when I'm not. Also, there's heaven and hell and my Catholic <laughs> upbringing, but we're going to figure it out. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, children do actually kind of go through this learning. Of, it's, it's like this theory of mind where they understand other people have a different perspective of the world than they do. They have their own distinct mind, their own distinct cool. sort of perception. And so there's this really mean child study where it's like they have um, they present child these children with stickers and they have three really like lame stickers and one like awesome race car s- sticker like the other ones that are like cool sticker, yeah. bland flowers or creepy porcelain dolls dolls and like ones like it's like <laughs> Lightning McQueen and like the kids are like oh man I want that one yeah but the rules of the game are when the kid points out and, and the rules aren't explained. I don't think very much. The kids kind of have to figure it out where whenever they pick a sticker, Mean Monkey, this little toy, will steal that sticker from them. Because Mean Monkey gets to pick first and then they get to pick. And Mean Monkey always picks the sticker that they want, the race car one that, that they wanted. And so they're really sad. And that's around age, you know, like like a little bit older than toddler and then, like, I was hoping you were going to say, like, 17. <laughs> <laughs> if only teenagers were so easy to fool. Stickers. Yeah. <laughs> but then when they get a little older, just like a, about a year older, like once they reach about four years old, they're like, they figure out how to, like, kind of be deceitful. And they, mm. they um, like, when they're like, okay, now choose a sticker, they pick one that they don't want, one of the non-race car ones. And the expressions on their little faces are so funny because they're like grinning from <laughs> ear to ear, like knowing what they're getting away from, away with. But like they realize that, OK, he can see me doing this thing. Yeah. And so I'm going to trick him. Uh, <laughs> I also I want a child development study on when poker face becomes a thing. Because <laughs> like, yeah, they're probably they probably learned it, but they yeah, can't hide it at right. all, which is great. I imagine like it's when a parent <laughs> says like. It's like, did you do this? And they're like, no. <laughs> um, but like, I remember when I was, I was in uh, the first grade, I was like startled at my own intelligence because I was like, I found the secret system. Like, if I want to play with toys in class, I just do it under the desk, and the teacher can't see. And I was like, this is incredible. It's like, it's like discovering the alchemist stone of misbehavior it's like oh my god i can turn boring time into gold (laughs) um and then when i got caught i was like stunned because i was like well she can't she can't see my hands like what how is that even possible right she has x-ray vision my my teacher is a mutant (laughs) yeah but she actually saw like your shoulders moving or like you going pew 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 or like something like that (laughs) Right, doing little voices like, I'm, I'm Mrs. Blanchard, I'm really, I'm really right. stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's super cute is that dogs and chimps also have this understanding, and it's really cute. Like, So they, they know that when they're being watched by an authority figure, and they know that there are consequences to something like stealing food, okay. uh, and then they, they wait until... <laughs> They're not being watched. So in chimps, they they test it with like a dominant chimp versus a subordinate. And the subordinate like is shown like where some food is hidden and it's shown that the dominant like can't see it. And they go in and they like run up really quickly, like grab it and then run out really quickly. (laughs) 
Um, so somebody's just studying like chimp schemes. Yeah, chimp schemes. Great. <laughs> <laughs> the chimp going like, nye, 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 nye. <laughs> um, right, like chimp oceans eleven. Just yeah. Like, ten of them in a room. Like this is how we get to the banana. <laughs> it's like five feet away, and they're like, "Here's the plan." <laughs> um, but like animal behavioral experts are starting to study dogs more because. The realization is dogs have this really good social intelligence. And it's really funny because they, uh, in dog's case, like the authority figure is the human. And uh, they'll put like a piece of food on the floor and the dog's like looking at it like, oh, my God. And then the human is like, like, no, you, you can't have that. And the dog looks devastated. <laughs> it's like, no. Oh. And then the researcher either sits like in a chair and faces the dog or faces away from the dog or like these are the different experiment conditions yeah yeah like there's one where they kind of look a little distracted and one where they just completely leave the room when they leave the room almost 99 percent of the time the dogs just immediately take the take the food and eat it <laughs> um when they're still in the room but like uh facing or facing away from the dog they'll still try to steal it once in a while because they're like you can't see me you can't see the food you know might okay. as well <laughs> and when the person is facing the dog, much less often do they try to steal it, but sometimes they do. And it's really funny when they do, because, like, one of them walked, like, there, there's the food and the researcher in the chair. And then the dog, like, walked around in a big circle behind the researcher, went under the chair, and then, like, took the food as if, like, somehow, he's like, you weren't expecting me to come from this direction. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he did like the tap the opposite shoulder trick yeah. that people do, he's like the... on the way. <laughs> he's the pen and teller of dogs. <laughs> what did the dog do when the scientist leaves the room and then watches them for, through the eye holes of like an old timey painting? Like, do the dogs <laughs> suspect it's haunted? The or? dogs kind of like walk through a, a background that keeps looping, and then they're like, <laughs> yeah. they're like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny because, like, my dog, like, I can see it a little bit in my dog. Like, she knows she's not supposed to go in the bathroom because she always raids the trash. And, like, if I if she can tell I'm, like, watching her, she won't go in because she knows I'll just close the door. Yeah. But other crimes, she'll just do right in front of me. Like, she, she sees me looking at her, and she very slowly, like, reaches over and then grabs my glasses and then <laughs> runs away and is, like... Just, Your like, glasses? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, it... I know dogs can't laugh, but it seems like she's laughing because she's like, ha. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she's uh, she's using it as like a hostage because then she wants me to uh, give her treats. Oh, man. In exchange. Because I thought getting. Oh, right. Then ransom it. Yeah. I may be a bad dog trainer because I, I thought like, okay, like you teach your dog to drop it and then you reward them. I've just rewarded her for finding items that I don't want her to have mm. and then dropping it. Like, actually, just last night, I dropped a, like, I was doing some chopping in the kitchen, and I dropped a knife, and... Just love that broccoli, huh? <laughs> All the time. All the time with the broccoli. <laughs> just chopped broccoli up into little pieces and threw it right in the trash. <laughs> um, and I, I dropped the knife on the floor, and, like, she, like, start, she like tries to grab it. Yeah. And has, it was just, like, so funny. Like, I mean, she didn't. She didn't get it. We we got it 
away from her, but just like she she was so close to like becoming armed and being like that primate in 2001 Space Odyssey where he's like, oh, this bone can kill. (laughs) (laughs) Right. From now on, I am Knife Dog. (laughs) I only respond to Knife Dog. (laughs) Um, Well, I think on Knife Dog, I think we are going to... (laughs) Even though it turns out all dogs aren't going to heaven, do they at least feel guilty about their shenanigans? Dog owners are probably familiar with that sheepish look on your pet's expression after a naughty incident. The eyes look up, the head lowers, the tail may even go between the legs. So is this a form of doggy conscience? Researchers think that regardless of those big puppy eyes, your dog doesn't have an ounce of remorse. Dog owners were asked to leave the room while their dog was presented a biscuit, but told not to take it. The owners returned, unaware of whether their dog was naughty and took the biscuit or was obedient. Asked to rank their dogs and how guilty their expressions were, the owners were completely hopeless. They couldn't tell which dogs were felonious and which were innocent. So this research suggests that the look of guilt in a dog's expression may merely be a reaction to our visible anger at them. They may not know why you're mad, but they know they're in the doghouse, and they'll make sure to look pathetic until it all blows over. In fact, dogs may have us figured out more than you would guess. According to studies, we express emotion more strongly on the right half of our faces. What's really interesting is that dogs have a preference for gazing towards the right, more strongly emotive half of a human's face, even though they show no such preference towards any other animal. This means that dogs may have an ability to lock onto the most expressive part of our faces to better judge what emotional state we're in. In fact, they may be better at it than humans. Unlike people, dogs will still lock onto the right half of the human face even when it's upside down. So if you ever find yourself dangling upside down from an inconveniently placed rope trap, your dog will be able to make the astute observation that you are upset. Truly man's best friend. So Alex, do you have anything else to plug other than your new uh, movie Knife Dog? Um, yeah, I mean, just people see that in theaters, get tickets on Fandango. Uh, Hit that it's... like and subscribe. <laughs> like and subscribe to Knife Talk. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I'm so glad to be on this show. Thank you for having me. Uh, my uh, Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty, and I'm on Cracked every single time. Not on Cracked. <laughs> <laughs> ah, uh, drugs are a problem. Drugs, don't do them. Don't do them. <laughs> drugs, don't do them. Um, so you yeah. can find me. Knife dog <laughs> is tough on drugs. It's like the Knife new McGruff. dog. I'll I'll cut you if you do drugs. <laughs> yeah, like a criminal McGruff, the crime dog. Yeah, yeah like I will <laughs> I will hurt you if you try to do drugs. <laughs> uh, so you can find me on Twitter at ProBirdWrites, my Twitter for birds, but not only for birds, for people who are. Uh, it's who, the best. Who guys. like birds too, and politics and birds. Birds and politics. If people are still sleeping on that account, get, get on it. <laughs> uh, and also at Katie Golden. Same um, for that account. <laughs> where there's some pictures of a muscular Garfield on it. I don't want you to be alarmed. Just giving you a heads up. They'll like it. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Hope you join us next Wednesday on Creature Feature. 
Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.